0: I'm Richard Blaze and I'm a chef and restaurateur who has judged or competed on nearly every cooking show. And now I've found a way to judge on a podcast. On my new podcast,
1: Food Court with Richard Blaze, amazing guests bring their food arguments to my court and I settle them once and for all. You think ranch is better than blue cheese? Prove it. You hate pineapple on pizza? Convince me. The first season of Food Court with Richard Blaze is up, and you can subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush, Friday interview edition. I got back on the horse, everyone, after the sickness and was able to reschedule with uh, Pam Peacock from here in the office. Uh, Pam is our in-house graphic designer. Uh, she is an artist, obviously, and she, uh, she does all the album art. Um, almost all the album art for all of our shows uh, on the network were designed and drawn and done by Pam. So if you're a fan of the... Uh, the iHeart Network and our podcast, and you have found some of our shows through those splash pages with the cool album art, that's because of Pam. She's super talented, and uh, one reason I asked Pam, guys, is because I just didn't know Pam that well, and it's a good chance to uh, get to know someone, to sit across from them and to turn the phones off and just have a good conversation. It's, it's, uh, I've said it before, it's one of the reasons I do this show. And uh, I knew Pam was cool and fun and had a good uh Um, creative aesthetic. And uh, so I thought, hey, let's get her in here and get to know Pam a little bit better. And that's what we did. And she picked Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which does not surprise me. Um, Very quirky, kind of cool, creative movie, uh, just like Pam is. And it turns out that uh, she's wonderful. We had a really great talk. And it was uh, a great pleasure getting to know Pam and her background. And uh, I got a new pal in the office, everyone who's uh, been working with me for a year and a half. Ramsey's nodding because he already knows Pam and how cool she is. But uh, it was a lot of fun. So um, here we go with Pam Peacock on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Have you ever done this before? No. Are you excited?
2: I'm excited. (laughs) I've been excited, yeah. You've been excited. Is that a dig? I'm excited.
1: Because I – delayed this?
2: Maybe a little bit.
1: Like a thousand times?
2: (laughs) Um, You know, we only delayed it a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, you know, everyone knew I was sick last week and had to uh, jigger things around and thank Mm -hmm. you for your patience. Yeah, no problem. And your kindness. Have I I, been kind? (laughs) I think so. Okay. It was very cute. You sent me a a picture of the post-it note with all the various crossed out uh, false starts and said, I'm running – can't delay it anymore because I'm running out of room on the Post-it note.
2: <laughs> I think I could have found another Post-it, but I think it's better that we're just getting it done. That was a
1: very nice way to say it.
2: the longer I wait to do things, the more nervous I get. So,
1: Oh, well, we should I'm do I'm very much like,
2: let's just do the thing and I feel prepared and, you know,
1: let's kind of
2: get through it. But, yeah.
1: I'd like to know more about your background, Pam, because this is a good chance for me to get to know you.
2: I know. We've never had a real conversation before, which I think is kind of funny.
1: Um, it's weird that way, this office – Sometimes, yeah, like there are people here I don't even know who they are, me too, right, well, kind we have a of lot of new people
2: now too, though, so yeah, it's lately. kind of different these days, but um, yeah, it's just funny, like I've been here what maybe just over a year and a half, I guess, okay, <laughs> and I mean, I know you, I've seen you, we say uh-huh. hi to each other, yeah, but I was telling a friend the other day I was coming on movie Crush. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what I said was Chuck and I have never had a real conversation before and I've never done a podcast before and it's right. going to be this whole experience of like
1: – Well, that's partially why I asked Sitting you, across
2: from this man who is – Get to
1: know your colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me it's a good. man. I'm not a man. I'm no man. <laughs> See, Ramsey's even laughing.
2: <laughs> Just a grown-up boy.
1: Yeah, yeah. sort of. Uh, so where are you from?
2: I was born in the Philippines. Okay. Um. Very long story short. Uh, yeah, lived in California as a kid, moved to Virginia. I think I
1: knew the California thing for some yeah. reason.
2: So I've actually spent about two-thirds of my life in California, but in two different chunks. Okay. So childhood and then teenage years mostly were in Virginia. And then I moved back to California in my early... What part? Uh, Costa Mesa. I grew up in Where's San that? Bernardino, which is like Inland Empire.
1: Yeah, I know. San Bernardino.
2: But yeah, Costa Mesa is <laughs> like mid... uh, Mid-Central Orange County. Okay. So, you know, like the real Laguna Beach. Right. I mean, it's not right by it, but it's... Right. I'm just trying to give you some kind of point of reference. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What
1: about Virginia? Why were you moving around to those disparate places? Uh,
2: Both of my parents were in the military at different times. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, that's why I was uh, born in the Philippines. My dad was stationed out there in the Air Force. Wow. So we moved back to the States uh-huh. when I was a baby, and then when I was around, I guess, nine, nine or ten, my mom uh-huh. joined the Navy. Really? Which brought us to Virginia. Yeah, there's quite an age gap between my parents, so uh-huh. that kind of explains.
1: Interesting. It's a whole thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. But uh,
2: I moved to Atlanta the end of 2015, so I've been here for a few years now. And
1: what brought you to Atlanta?
2: Uh, I needed a lower cost of living, I think. I love California, and I'm homesick for California all the time. Yeah, me too. I'm going tomorrow. But, yeah? Which part?
1: Uh, Going to L.A. Cool. And then Lake Arrowhead. I go every year for the MaxFunCon. Oh, I love
2: Arrowhead. Yeah. That should be fun.
1: It's great. This is like my eighth one, I think.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of fun. It sounds fun. Um, Yeah, Atlanta also has like a really great art scene. Uh So the art community here is growing and thriving, and that's something that I wanted to kind of be a part of. Uh, So, you know, I'm a graphic designer as a job.
1: Yeah. What's your background in art? Where did that all start?
2: Um, I feel like I've always been creative. Uh Uh-huh. And when I was in high school, they had somebody come from – I don't really want to necessarily endorse the Art Institute as an organization because there's a lot of problems Uh with it. But um, someone came to visit a class I was taking, like a desktop publishing class. Uh And I was like, oh, I could do this stuff for a job? Like this seems really cool.
1: Yeah, that's so important to know.
2: Yeah, I feel like I got really lucky because for me it was kind of a matter of I can do something creative Uh and not be the quote-unquote starving artist and sort of have that covered, have a stable income. Uh So that – which is what I do now with my free time. I spend a lot of time making my own art and – Like what? Uh, I do a lot of paintings. Um I could show you later, but I make a lot of space art. Okay. It's kind of like uh like outer you, space? Yeah, if you think of like outer space as sort of a representation of inner space.
3: Oh, wow. In a way. Here we go. You know? <laughs> okay. It's kind of that like
2: introspective uh-huh. stuff, uh these ideas of sort of exploring outwardly, uh-huh, representing, exploring inwardly and the crossover and <sighs> Uh, I do a lot of illustration, um, sometimes murals. Mm -hmm. I'm also part of a collective called Lotus Eaters Club.
3: Okay, I don't know that.
2: So we, yeah, uh, we actually, that's how I spent my weekend was with them. Uh, We started a couple murals for the city of Hapeville. Uh So it's been really fun. Uh, This week, a few of us took the week off to finish You know, basically um, flush that job out. And so I'm sitting at work in the office just getting all these updates and just seeing the progress as I'm not there, which is really fun for me since I can't be with them today. So that's
1: uh, near the airport? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? Get like a commission from the, the town?
2: Yeah, they had an open call for submissions. For uh, mural submissions. Uh-huh. and so you submitted design? We submitted designs and we ended up getting approved for two of them. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we've done a few a few other murals around town.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the bridge over North Avenue over on the Beltline. Yes. But there, there's a mural, there are two murals, one on each side of that pedestrian bridge. Uh-huh. I, and I we totally also, know what you're talking about. Yeah, we also have developed um, an augmented reality app. Uh-huh. So when you look at... Those images through the app, they uh-huh. animate. Oh, and there's, wow! There's like music that plays. Really? Yeah, it's really, it's really Man.
1: cool. Boy, Atlanta's got a lot of great murals.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it's kind of something like I grew up here, so it was. I've gotten to see Atlanta really grow and thrive over the years
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in the artistic and creative community. Yeah. And it's it's definitely cool.
2: blowing up right now. It yeah. feels like a really special time to be a part of it. So for sure. I'm, I'm really excited. It was a good move
1: for me. So you knew no one here? Did you move here well, on your own? or
2: my, One of my best friends, um, basically, we met in college in D.C. Mm-hmm. and What school? The Art Institute of Washington, okay. which I believe is closing soon now. Oh, really? Yeah. What's their deal? Uh, they're a very for-profit school, okay. and there's just a lot of problematic issues that uh, are kind of connected to that. Not to you know to not right. get too into it, but um yeah, yeah. I know several of their schools have been closing, including I want to say the one in Decatur. There uh-huh. was one in Decatur, and I think there's another one in Atlanta that might still be open. Wow. But, yeah, um, but you
1: got it's a it's you get a degree in stuff, though, right? yeah, it just costs you
2: a lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it cost you a lot
1: did you learn a lot yeah
2: or? i f- I feel like I learned enough, okay, uh but for me, I feel a lot of people have the issue where it feels like you're paying just a shitload of money uh-huh. to learn the software, right, mostly to learn the software, so they're
1: not teaching the creative stuff as much
2: they are, I just think um. I'm not sure. It's it's
1: you don't have to get into yeah, it. Yeah, it's that.
2: hard it's hard without opening the whole yeah, can. Yeah, that's but fine. you know
1: But you met you had a friend there.
2: I had a friend there, uh one of my best friends. We've stayed really good friends uh-huh. for years. And um I ended up moving to California mm-hmm. and he moved to Atlanta. So when it was time for me to sort of figure out what is the next right. step in my life, um, Atlanta seemed like a really good option and it worked out for me because it was kinda like walking into a situation where his friends are probably going to be my friends because we know right. that we're already very like-minded. We're into the yeah. same kind of thing. So it was a really easy so transition. Yeah.
1: That's cool. And they an are easy. your friends now?
2: They are my friends now. Oh. And, you know, some of us are in this collective together. So oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun.
1: That's really brave. I never, uh, I mean, I guess I moved to LA and I had a group of friends there, but I was older. I don't know. I mm. admire... Your generation.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean.
1: I think you guys are like braver than we were.
2: Possibly. It might be partly that and just partly the realization that if we just don't make things happen for ourselves. yeah. You know, I feel like um, things just are different in certain ways. Like yeah. our parents' generation is kind of like. You know, you go to college, you get a good job, like, right. th- and things fall into place. You kind right. of you pay your dues, and things work out. Right. And it just doesn't seem to be that way as much anymore.
1: Yeah, you for many different reasons make your own way.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: So, yeah. were you always doing art as a kid, like growing up? I, I suspect you always had had the the talent.
2: I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to say so. Yeah, um, it's something that I definitely dove into much more in my 20s uh-huh. uh, and now it's like you know especially me kind of figuring out personally how therapeutic art is for me and, yeah. and how much it helps me kind of stay balanced like it's uh my mental health really yeah. you know it helps with all of that kind of stuff just yeah. this consistency and the expression and sort of the meditative qualities that it can have
1: now, what about doing album art? Is, that's what we call it, by the way, everybody, uh, for podcasts. It's called album art.
2: It's called album art, but most what of us here it? mistakenly refer to it as logo art. Yeah,
1: logo art. Which,
2: I mean, it kind of is, but if you're going to be like design snobby about it, right. logo's not the right word. <laughs> right. Not that it matters. I'm just going to say that.
1: But. Now, how did, how did you come to us?
2: Um, I... When I moved to Atlanta, I started working for a small uh, marketing agency in Mm -hmm. Decatur, which I loved. Mm -hmm. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. What's their name? Uh, Heavy Duty Branding.
1: Hmm. Don't think I know them. Sounds familiar, though. But
2: that company just kind of ended up going in a different direction. Um, The owner ended up sort of taking steps to – really to pursue his own dreams of blacksmithing full-time oh, and wow. doing all this other cool stuff. You uh-huh. know, he was running this business for like 20-something years. But he wanted to be a smithy? I think so, <laughs> you know. And That's certain nice. things happened that sort of pushed him in that direction. Uh-huh. And so uh, I found myself looking for work. And as I have in the past, I turned to a creative placement agency, did a couple shorter freelance stints at other companies.
1: Now, is that like a temp thing for creative types? Or? Yeah,
2: temp or just... Placement—it depends. You know, it's it's all of the above. Gotcha. Really, um, there's a lot of different options as far as that. But I attempted a couple places and then got an interview for House Stuff Works, uh-huh. which I was really stoked about.
1: So, did you know about the company and stuff?
2: I did not a whole lot, but uh-huh. um, I knew enough that I was like, okay, this is something. Because for me, I I, I would like to work on things that I feel kind of contribute right. something to the greater good yeah, in yeah. some way, or you know, sharing knowledge and mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff versus jobs I've had in the past like designing marketing for selling clothes to teenagers. Right. Which, you know yeah. especially for me personally, like I just don't right. I just don't care about that. Well, not fulfilling. I still love doing the design work. Uh-huh. You know, I, I love being a designer. But It makes a huge difference when the product you're designing for Uh is something that you feel, I don't know, matters on a higher level somehow.
1: Now, is that the case Um, here?
2: I would say- Do you like it? (laughs) I I do like it, you know? I like it a lot, but I was really stoked about it. I actually started freelancing here.
1: Right. I think I knew that. Yeah.
2: I did that for a couple months before uh, they brought me on full time, Mm -hmm. and it's been really good. It's a nice variety of work. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, every show is kind of unique, so...
1: You do it all, too. Have you done every show?
2: Not every show, but most of them. Yeah, that's
1: I've definitely amazing.
2: done most of them.
1: That's um, got to be kind of cool, because, like, we've got a pretty sizable network now. Yeah. And if you... We don't even have one, but if we had a big splash page with all of our shit on there... Sure. That's like Pam Peacock all over the place. A
2: lot of it, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really neat. And to know that so many people are, you know whether they're ever going to think about that or not.
1: Well, it's important, you know. It's like the wine bottle, it's it's the window in and that's so important, especially with discovery uh being a problem like people surf around on iTunes yeah. and that that album art is like key, you know.
2: Yeah, it's the first it's the, very kind of the first, first, thing. first impression, yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun. Uh I enjoy it.
1: Well, what about movies growing up? Was that um, – as a military kid, do you have siblings and stuff or
2: – I have a very complicated family situation. All right. Um, you can
1: be – get into that if you want. Yeah,
2: or... very quickly. I mean it's not too crazy but uh, if – basically uh, my dad's like – Are
1: you about to draw it? <laughs> I was about to
2: draw you a Venn diagram uh, I love it. and then I realized no one else can see it but That's I might okay. I might do it anyway. And just
1: flipped over the paper so, with great purpose everyone and yeah. grabbed a pen.
2: So pretty much uh, my dad is – I I think it's 18 years older than my mom. Okay. So my dad had two sons already when they met, who were teenagers. How old is your dad? Uh, he's 75. Oh wow. And I will be 35 this year, so he was 40 when I was. You're born. 35? Yeah.
1: I thought you were 25.
2: That's what people think <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing in my life. But uh, you know, so they had a big age gap. My dad already had kids. My parents got married and had me. My parents ended up getting divorced, and my mom mm-hmm. had two more daughters with her new husband. Okay. So my my brothers are something like 14 and 15 years older than oh, I am. Oh,
1: interesting.
2: My half-brothers uh-huh. and my half-sisters are 12 and 18 years <laughs> younger wow. than I am. So
1: You were just a little island there in the yeah, middle, huh? Yeah,
2: exactly. I'm the middle of the Venn diagram, yeah. yeah. So that's the thing is I always tell people, like, I am – Simultaneously, truly, uh-huh. an only child, right? an oldest child, <laughs> yeah. a youngest child, and a middle child.
1: Wow, that's so funny. Which I
2: think probably. You kind of feel like all those things, huh? Yeah, I think it explains a lot about my personality, really? actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, how about movies and stuff growing up?
2: Uh, E.T. Oh, yeah. If I'm going to think of like yeah. one of the first mov- movie memories, uh, E.T., I remember seeing. Ninja Turtles, the first Ninja Turtles movie Uh in the theater, which I was really, really excited about. I was very much, um, I guess what people would refer to more as like kind of a tomboy Uh of a kid, you know. I wanted the Ninja Turtle dolls and not the Barbie dolls. Right. uh,
1: That means you were doing it right.
2: (laughs) I remember there was a time my mom wanted to take me to see Ghostbusters. Uh And I'm not sure what year that came out, but I must have been like,
1: I think it was, I want to say 84.
2: Yeah, I was born in
1: 84. Well, there may have been like a release It might have two, been,
2: I, it, it also might have been not the first Ghostbusters. Right. But it's this vague memory of her wanting to take me to see Ghostbusters and me not understanding at all uh-huh. what Ghostbusters <laughs> was. Yeah. <laughs> and just thinking that it was going to be really scary. Right. And I asked her something like, Okay, but if I get scared, can I like put my face under the blanket? And she's like, No. <laughs> she's like, Either you want to go see this or you don't. Oh, no. So, I mean, I eventually saw the movie, yeah. but I didn't see it in the theater for that reason, I think. It's was, so funny. She was how like, I'm not going to pay money. just
1: locks in yeah. from like being a little kid, you know?
2: It's a strange memory. And but, you got the uh, X Files shirt on.
1: Yeah. So that was a big deal, I I'm guess. I'm a big
2: fan of the X Files. Yeah. I still haven't seen um, the latest. It was like the latest. Oh, no,
1: I didn't see that either. um, Yeah, the series. Yeah,
2: the latest uh, season. I didn't either. I saw the first like new chunk of season, which Uh was like 2016 now, I guess. But yeah, the latest I haven't, which, you know, people assume that I'm like the hardcore X-Files fan, Uh which... As I am with most things that I love. I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily an expert on things, but right. there are the aspects that I love and kind of cling cling to. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah so I haven't.
1: I, I was a late bloomer on that show uh, in that it had already come and gone, and I never watched it. And then they started showing it in syndication
3: mm-hmm. um, every night
1: of the week. And yeah. that's when I was living in New Jersey, and that's when I started watching it and i just went all through it. Oh, i love it. And and loved it and but for some reason have not watched like any of the new stuff.
2: Yeah, i i don't know what my hesitation is. I did like the uh, newer season that i saw. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was perfect. Right. But i'm also the kind of X-Files fan where you know, there's like the overarching story that runs through the whole season. Right. I'm less into that and more into the sort of Monster of the Week type that was, episodes. That was my deal. Yeah, and like the anthology Give nature. Give me a shapeshifter. Exactly. <laughs> just <laughs> the fun stuff, uh-huh. you know, which I, I appreciated the story, but I just I couldn't get as into
1: it. Yeah, I was the exact same yeah. way.
2: I like to dive in and kind of pick and choose right. the particular episodes and yeah. do it that way.
1: So generally like into sci-fi type of stuff or kind of all over the place?
2: Kind of all over the place, but I gravitate towards sci-fi. Yeah. Typically. It's just – usually it's the kind of stories that I'm into. Um,
1: what other movies did you consider for this?
2: What other movies did I consider? Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, God. Which – great. I love, yeah. I love that movie. I saw
1: that I think three times in the theater, really? which I don't do anymore. Yeah, um, It was just so great and on the big screen.
2: Oh god, it was fantastic yeah. and all of the effects and
1: uh, yeah, just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, a big thing about that of course is like most of the stunts and all of that, like... Yeah. He used the least amount of CG for that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So they're actually, like, crashing the things and yeah, they're doing so all cool. these crazy stunts. And the guy with the guitar... Yeah. Uh, all of that was real. Yeah. You know, like, the flame shooting out of the...
1: uh uh-huh. It's just
2: amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a madman. Totally. And Charlize Theron is a ba- the ultimate badass. Oh,
2: she... Yeah, that character quickly became one of my top favorite yeah. badass female yeah yeah, I she's love awesome. It so um, much.
1: She's one of my favorite actors because she can do stuff like that. And then movies like – I don't know if you saw Tully.
2: I didn't see Tully, but I remember seeing the trailer for Tully. Oh, it's
1: so good. So I –
2: yeah, But I just know. any
1: movie though where she's just uh, more grounded and, and acting in like a regular role, she's just so talented.
2: Did you see uh, Arrested Development yes. when, she <laughs> <laughs> when she was in that that's all I'm going to say, but I thought she was oh, just hilarious man. in that. Yeah, when she's, she's like funny. Sitting there playing the banjo, uh-huh. and yeah, yeah, she's, she's really funny.
1: She's wonderful. Um, I did not see Atomic Blonde yet either, which I really want to see.
2: I really liked Atomic Blonde, but I think I was hoping for <clears> – <throat> I'm not sure.
1: Wasn't I'm, it the same team that did John Wick?
2: I think it was, which is what got me really pumped to see it. Uh-huh. You know, especially as a woman, it's like yeah. – you just don't see as many badass female leads right. and things and so to take a John Wick type character mm-hmm. and put a you know put a female spin on it i thought was great um, yeah. and now i'm trying to think i remember seeing the movie and Loving it, but having these feelings like, oh, I wish it had uh, really? this or that. But at this point, when we're speaking about it, I can't remember what the this or that was. Yeah. So I'm I just need gonna... to check it out.
1: I just now have watched the John Wick movies. Yeah, as of like two weeks ago. Did you see
2: the third one yet? Not yet. I haven't either.
1: No. I'm...
2: I love the first one though. Uh,
1: I lo- I like the first two. I thought that yeah. they were great, and Keanu's just. I need awesome. to watch
2: the second one again. Keanu's awesome, and I'm really happy that he's having this sort of yeah resurgence. Totally. Um. Everybody just yeah. Everybody just loves Keanu. I
1: know he's he's hard to not like because every story you hear of his real life
2: exactly is
1: just seems like the kindest, gentlest, like nicest guy. And he's had
2: kind of a tragic, you know, pattern of things in his life. And you just really empathize with that. And didn't he
1: lose a girlfriend that he was. I think she died, right? Yeah, I think Early it was on. a car
2: accident. Yeah. And Ugh. their child, maybe she was pregnant oh, or good Lord. something like that. It was a whole thing. And then like his sister had cancer. Yeah. And it's just a lot. It's a lot to hit someone with.
1: Yeah. I think but. people, I think humans, Um, I don't know. We all go through that stuff. And when you hear about. You're looking for connections. Right. Even if it's a movie star?
2: Absolutely. And yeah. when you
1: hear about this some tragedy that befalls someone, it connects us all a little tighter somehow. I think
2: so too. Yeah. It humanizes him. Yeah. And also, you know, the whole thing about him donating however much like however millions of dollars right. on the Matrix yeah, to yeah. like the, to the effects crew to or whatever. the effects crew. Yeah. And
1: yeah. Just awesome. stuff like
2: that is awesome.
1: I just recently saw the sad Keanu meme. I'm not up on my memes. I know that's old. But, uh, it
2: is, but it's still relevant, it's, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was really cute. Him just on that bench.
2: On the bench. There's also one where he's like sitting on the subway or something. Oh, really? And, yeah. There's. I think there's a number of them now.
1: Yeah, I think he's just uh, – I've read interviews where he talks about being alone and like – Kind of solitary as a person. Mm-hmm.
2: He's like, I don't have anyone. I
1: know. I saw something and like about a that. A gazillion people in the world are like, take me.
2: Yeah, it, I was just gonna say that I saw something, and then all of the comments are like, I'll hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be no, with you. I love wants you. To,
1: men, women. It's, it's just all. like,
2: okay, that's really nice, but that's also it, it becomes creepy. Yeah, sure. The reality is that like you don't know this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He doesn't want
2: to he doesn't want you to hang out with him.
1: So, you did settle on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I did. Which uh was very exciting for me uh from 2004 written by Charlie Kaufman, directed by the great Michel Gondry. Yes. Um this kind of fit like when you said that even what little I knew about you, I was like, "All right, artist uh mm-hmm. artistic film."
2: Yeah, it seems to kind of match. Yeah. I think and if you um which, you know, I'll show you later, but if you're familiar with my art, mm-hmm. a lot of th- the things we're probably going to talk about, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, this totally, this totally makes sense.
1: Can we put some of the stuff on the Movie Crush page? Just sure. so people – Yeah. I know it makes people crazy when, like, we talk about cool art and then don't yeah. show it. <laughs> Absolutely,
2: yeah. We could do that.
0: Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball.
1: Uh, so I just got finished watching this again. Uh, I've seen it a bunch of times, okay, but I always rewatch and like literally finished like fifteen minutes ago.
2: Yeah, I heard. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> what like chucked? I went. Around. <laughs> well, I
2: went back to my desk and uh, Nathan was like, "Oh, I think he's watching it right now," and I was like, "Okay, well, at least we'll both be prepared." Yeah,
1: I had uh, had in my little wireless earbuds, and when I went over to the to the lunch room, mm. I was just carried my laptop because mm-hmm. I couldn't stop the movie.
2: It's that good. Like
1: couldn't – yeah, didn't want to stop yeah, the movie. I don't blame you. I love this movie. It's so fucking great and just so sad and sweet and romantic. It is. Uh, and just opens up – I love films that open up a whole sort of door uh, into questions of yourself.
2: Exactly. That's exactly what I love about it too.
1: Like, I mean, the very last question after I stopped is like, so like, what would you do? What yeah. would you, what would you do? Yeah, and we'll get there.
2: We will get there. I'll just
1: tease that out. Okay. But um, I did do, do a little bit of research. Uh, a lot of practical effects, obviously. Yeah, that's kind of his CG. thing. Yeah, um,
2: Michel Gondry. That's something I really love about him. Totally. And I actually was a little bit stuck on whether I wanted to do this movie mm-hmm. or the Science of Sleep, which was also
1: I never saw that.
2: Oh, dude, it's so. good. Is it good? And this it's, that was right it's after really this one. Good. Uh, I want to say a few years later. It must have been maybe even almost a decade. Well, I could be. Let's not quote me on that. Uh, That's all right. I don't know. It was after. But that movie had a lot more of the practical effects. Uh And also he does a lot of like stop motion Uh and like weird prop things. Yeah, I
1: remember the trailer. In his
2: movies. Yeah. And so that aspect of it was really, really fun. Yeah. And who's the guy? I think you would like that one.
1: um, Who's the lead in that? The dude?
2: Uh, what is his name? That,
1: that got a crush on the guy.
2: Yeah, me too. Everyone does. Everyone does. <laughs> he's amazing. And now we both can't does. remember his name.
1: Uh, G- G- Garcia uh, Bernal? Bernal. Right. Yeah. But that that's like, his G- middle Gail. and last name. Yeah, that's it.
2: Okay. We yeah, got there. We got there.
1: I, um, need, I need to see that for sure. I don't know why I didn't.
2: I think you'd enjoy it. You know, my first – I want to say my first exposure to Michel Gondry's work was – must have been – the uh, White Stripes. Which one did the he The Lego do? video. Oh, He's done okay. a few videos for them, but yeah. specifically the Lego video, which uh-huh. was, um, yeah, Fell in Love with a Girl. Oh,
1: yeah. Great song.
2: Yeah. Which was, I want to say, like two years before Eternal Sunshine came out. Uh-huh. but um,
1: So is that his deal? Was he a music video guy?
2: He's done a lot of them. Uh-huh. He's done a lot of them. He's done a lot of videos for uh, Bjork. Oh,
1: great!
2: I don't know if he still, you know, if he still does, uh-huh. but he's done a bunch for her. Uh, he's done a couple for the Chemical Brothers. Uh-huh. There's this one in particular that I really enjoy for the song um, Star Guitar, and also I, I think he also did Let Forever Be, which was kind of prop based. Mm-hmm. But you see this like. All these camera tricks, yeah. you know, that's his thing, like camera tricks, practical effects, yeah. props, uh stop motion. Right.
1: Force perspective.
2: Force perspective. All of those kind of like really neat things. Yeah. That it's just uh, – It's old school. It's old school. You know, you have kind of a more visceral reaction almost. Yeah, you know, yeah. Seeing this like – The physical things that they're doing as opposed to just doing everything in post, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it it gives it such a distinct feel, which I just love.
1: Yeah. And there's something – there's a very playful spirit in his work, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Um, Sort of childlike at times. Very
2: like DIY. Yeah. Which I think is great. And I love that combination of sort of telling these really serious stories Mm -hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Paired with that. You know, yeah. you get this uh, really neat balance, I think.
1: Yeah, I really loved Be Kind, Rewind.
2: Me too. And I haven't
1: seen it in a long time. And I kind of forgot about it until I was kind of looking up his work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, I need to see that again. Oh, that's
2: such a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, Jack Black and Mo Yeah, God, Most
1: Yeah, Death. what a pair He's in such that. such a good actor. And, uh, I want him to be in, like, every movie.
2: Also, uh, Glover, Danny Glover. Oh, was he in it? I believe so. Oh. And I think he had... Brace it? I could so was be, he, he was I could just a kid.
1: Wrong.
2: No, Danny, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Not Donald Glover. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on. Am I wrong? Yeah.
1: Donald Glover from ATL. Not him. Danny yes, Glover. Danny Glover of man.
2: lethal weapon right. fame. <laughs> He's too old for this shit. They're not related, are they? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think they are.
1: Um, so obviously a lot of practical effects. They apparently – um. He he, so like has just flights of fancy on set that their rehearsals and their blocking and staging of the of the actual scenes is mm-hmm. kind of goes out the door, which is very frustrating for a DP.
2: Oh, I'm sure. And so they said
1: <laughs> that they had two handheld cameras shoot virtually 360 degrees of every single scene, and That's they were amazing. Yeah, they were shooting like 36,000 feet of film a day on this. Wow! Just to make sure they covered. Every time Michel Gondry would just, like, get an idea and change things up on the day.
2: I also read something about, um, you know, he's giving them a lot of direction to be able to be spontaneous. And I read something about how Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey sort of, you know, on different takes, they Mm -hmm. would maybe move around different ways in the room that they were in. That's so frustrating for a filmmaker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you get this sort of, like, really natural, you know, natural... Interaction and you know what would my character? Oh, dude, it's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's you know especially like Jim. Well, I feel like both of them, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, are sort of playing against the the character, the type of characters you're used to seeing from them. For sure, and they both did such a beautiful job.
1: Yeah, this is my favorite kind of Jim Carrey. Me too. When he really gets to dig into something uh, with pathos, yeah, and I mean, I love you know, I love all this silly stuff as well. Sure, but like when he really gets to dig into something like this, because uh, I think he's kind of a sad guy. I in saw real something
2: life. recently about how he's begun painting. Yeah, yeah. Over the last, I don't know, must be over the last couple of years. Yeah, but, yeah. Even seeing like him crazy in, in that, yeah, like producing tons of work yeah. too. <laughs> Kind of incredible. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, him talking during that segment that I saw kind Uh of speaks to what you're saying. Like maybe a little bit of a sad guy and, you know, as they say, like a lot of times comedians. Sure. Sad clown. Yeah. The sad clown. You know, they're feeling something that they want to kind of push against and give something to the world that's the opposite of that.
1: Yeah. Um, He's so good in this. And Kate Winslet, she got nominated for an Academy Award. It won the Oscar for screenplay, which I did did not remember that. Mm. But um, she's so great, and I just love Kate Winslet. And Clementine is, like, so a person I would have been attracted to, (laughs) like, when I was younger.
2: Yeah, I could see that. Just
1: sort of this hot mess that's like—
2: Sure. It's kind of the wild pixie dream girl trope, but she's a little— past the typical age for that. and
1: Yeah, and she also makes a point. There's like two or three times in the movie where she says that same thing, where she's like, I'm not a concept. I'm not here to like make your life exciting. Right. And I'm like, I'm really glad that was in there because yeah. it could have fallen into that manic pixie dream girl trope. I oh,
2: I agree completely. I think, um, yeah, they took it in another direction. But yeah. she was just also so real and unapologetic about who she is yeah. and kind of owns her bullshit, you uh-huh. know, which for me is like, Relatable yeah. and inspiring in a way because it's like we all we all have our shit. Yeah. You know, you got to – one, like there's a self-awareness I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't have. Right. So, you know, you can be a little crazy at least you realize. Yeah. You realize that you are and you can kind of navigate through that and not yeah. have it just, you know, fuck people up.
1: And especially when you get going in a relationship, like that sort of choice you have early on whether or not to – Lie about who you are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which and,
2: can be the instinct.
1: Yeah, and not only to another person, but just sort of lying to yourself. To yourself, yeah. And she's just so frank about who she is, saying, "I'm not a concept. I'm high maintenance. Mm-hmm. Like, don't use me to like
2: to fill some kind of a void yeah, in life because yeah. you're boring. Mm-hmm.
1: And that, oh god, that like stuff I'm not later here to on.
2: complete you. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a concept. I love that." Which also, you know, I think about Elijah's, wo- Elijah's Wood.
1: <laughs> oh, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not the kind of movie we're talking about. <laughs> uh, Elijah Wood's character, Patrick, in this movie. Yeah.
3: What
2: who, a creep. Oh, one of my notes literally says <laughs> creepy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he, he fell in love with, quote unquote, fell in love with the idea of Clementine, uh-huh. you know, yep. obviously he had never even spoken to her before he decided he wanted to pursue her, which is
1: stole her underwear, That shit all. crazy. Yeah,
2: but you know, it's it's like the thing that she said she doesn't want is exactly what he's uh-huh. embodying. Yeah, and yeah. I love that they sort of incorporated that and yeah. showed that other side of it. You know,
1: yeah, the the subplots in this film really um, enrich it because. You've got this great main story and this great idea, which uh, the guy who's named Pierre – I can't remember his last name. But the guy who had the original seed of the idea with Michelle Gondry, mm-hmm. which was – he was talking to someone at a party who had gone through a breakup. And they were like, I wish I could just erase the whole thing. Yeah. And like what a great idea. I was mad I didn't think yes. of it first.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that they show all the complications that come with that too well, though. Well, exactly. You know? That's kind of the That's point the is like – In theory, it's such a good idea. Right. But the reality of that is just so layered and terrible, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember specifically, there's a scene, um, I think I made a note of this, actually, the Huckleberry Hound thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they meet on the train. Yes. Which is actually the second time they meet. Yeah. And, you know, she says the whole thing, like, Clementine, don't make fun of my name. Right. And Joel says... I don't know any jokes about your name. She's yeah. like, Huckleberry Hound. And he goes, I don't know what that <laughs> is. But later in the movie, they show when they actually met for the first time at the beach.
1: Yeah, he sings it, right? She says
2: the same thing. He sings the song uh-huh. and makes a point to tell her that his Huckleberry Hound doll was like his favorite thing right. when he was a child. Yeah, And so you kind of look at that and you say, okay, well, even when memories aren't linked mm-hmm. through time... All of these connections are still being made. You can't yeah. erase one thing without losing another part of yourself. Right. You know, which I think is really the whole point.
1: Yeah. It's sort of that back to the future conundrum. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a movie uh, that I think bears watching at least twice.
2: Absolutely. Because the
1: first time you see it, I remember the first time I saw it, it was uh, – I didn't fully get the timelines. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, seen it subsequently over the years and then today it's, you know – uh, just such a creative approach. That first meet cute on the sub on the on the train,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, was was the second time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And when he says earlier, you know, that we met at a beach party, I remember the first time I was like, "Oh, well, wait a minute, what the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Like they didn't meet at a beach party.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where you certainly have to watch it a few times yeah. to kind of piece things together, and then you start to notice different things that were incorporated to sort of help. Yes. Guide the timeline.
1: The hair color for Excuse one, Excuse me, for the sure. hair
2: color was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So I feel um, the only time it's the real, real life Clementine that's uh-huh. not a, a depiction of her and his memories, yeah. it's the blue hair. Right. Which going back to the Patrick thing – Patrick, you know, steals Joel's – tries to steal Joel's identity in a sense. Like she
1: has the blue hair during those scenes, right? She
2: has the blue hair during those scenes. Mm -hmm. But he's calling her tangerine because he saw it in a note that Joel wrote to Clementine. So he's calling her this name that is based on a different hair color that he's actually never seen her with.
1: Yeah, that's right. Which
2: for me ties into the – creep. obviously ties into the creepy factor. But it's like – he doesn't even know why he's calling her that. He just, right. he just knows that Joel called her that. Yeah, he's, he's just, cheating the system. Yeah. It's um, really crazy. And
1: you know, you have that first uh, I didn't really I don't remember it being that long, but it's the first like seventeen minutes of the film is that great setup.
2: Before the credits Before roll. Before the
1: credits roll, yeah. which is a really With long that, time. The
2: Beck song. Oh
1: God, it's so great.
2: That just like gut wrenching. Yeah.
1: Like the, I mean it's so, I love Beck so and my good. two favorites are the two saddest. You know, mm-hmm, Sea Change and uh, the other one.
2: I love that, though. I think that's part of why I love this movie, too. I'm I'm drawn to things that give me an emotional response, mm-hmm. sort of in a more sad way, I think. Um, yeah, I get that. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like it feels good in a way to mm-hmm. feel sad in a way. I know, and man. And tap into that. And yeah. This absolutely does that for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a happy person generally, but when I feel sad, I want to just wallow in yeah, it. Yeah,
2: me and too. <laughs> I don't want to be cheered
1: up. I want to feel sad as shit and listen to the Smiths. Right. Um, you have to allow
2: yourself to sort of yeah. you know just get through that, I think, instead of pushing it away.
1: Yeah, you got to
2: embrace it. It's just part of it's part of our experience. I think
1: people in our parents' generation did so much squashing of emotion
2: mm-hmm. and
1: burying of emotion. All of
2: that repression. Yeah and, yeah, and it
1: was just so fucked up and we're trying so hard with my daughter and, you know, every, you know, everyone is doing this now. It's not like I'm some genius parent. <laughs> but just, to you know, all the emotions are great. You got to feel them all. Yeah. And um, it's OK if you're mad and frustrated or sad or jealous or scared. Right. It's,
2: uh, it's uh, learning how to process the emotions, yeah. I think, is the most important thing, which I definitely didn't learn I didn't until learn I it. was a lot older. <laughs>
1: I'm sure there were parents yeah. out there doing that. But by and large, I feel there was just a lot of, especially for me growing up in the South, a lot of just sweeping things under the rug. Oh, totally, yeah. Like, you don't deal with that kind of thing, like, in public.
2: Yeah, which obviously causes way more problems down the road.
1: Way more problems, Pam. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We won't get into all that. We don't
2: have to get into that. (laughs) Uh,
1: But so the first 17 minutes in the credits roll, and then that's when things – uh, that's when you get your first hint when Elijah Wood comes up and knocks on his window. Mm, that's right. It's like, can I help you? Mm-hmm. That you're like, what is going on and here? And Joel all is of just really
2: confused. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's when it's, you know, the movie alternately is like a romance and a love story and then feels like uh, a thriller almost at times, mm-hmm. which is interesting.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Um,
1: it's, it's hard as a director, I think, to balance those tones.
2: Absolutely. But
1: he. I don't know. He pulled it off because it gets like legit, sort of uh, tense.
2: Oh yeah, at times when they
1: feel like they're sort of on the run. When as they're yeah. things are crumbling around when they're them on and, the lamb. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: on the lamb from their own like uh, uh, memory wipers.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting too. I think about the fact that you know at the end when well at the, yeah at the end when the house the beach house is yeah. crumbling and he says we never even got a goodbye right. And she's like, well, maybe we can make one up. Yeah. And then she says, meet me in Montauk. Right. And it's like, obviously, she didn't tell him to do that, but that's how they ended up meeting for the second time. Yeah. Which to me says, you know. Yeah, because that
1: puts him on the train.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which he goes somewhere else for work. Right. And last last second, beginning of the film, he ditches work Uh to go. He doesn't know why he's doing that. Yeah. You know, he's not consciously aware of it, but. His mind, you know, he knows Clementine so well that yeah. he sort of figured out where she might be right. and figured out a way for them to meet again, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's such, a, it's such a story idea that I'm drawn to, I think, is this kind of goofy romantic idea of uh, it doesn't matter which door you would have walked through that you're destined to be with like a person.
2: Right, well see, I have a couple takes on that idea. All right. I feel like, you know, there's a perspective where you can say, oh well, they're they're just destined to be together. Right. You know, which is more on the positive side, like mm-hmm. they're they're just meant to love each other. But it's also like this idea that, you know I actually read that um, in the original screenplay, it shows so okay. So it says in the original screenplay that it begins with an old woman who is later revealed to be the Mary character, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character, you know, who works for Lacuna. Uh Uh-huh. And that—
1: It's her older? Yeah. Okay.
2: So it's like her older, and she's publishing a manuscript called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is implied to be a tell-all about the happenings with Lacuna. Right. And uh, at the end of that screenplay, so they have told me— We discover that she's still working for Howard, who would be, like, extremely old at this point, which, you know, we'll talk about the suspension of disbelief, (laughs) the different layers in this movie. But we'll just say, okay, he can be just old as dirt. Sure. But um, they basically show that Clementine has had Joel erased from her memory, like, 15 times over the years. So it's kind of this idea of, like... You can say they're destined or you can say maybe they're doomed. Right. If it falls apart every time, if they get to this point, like, which, I mean, the nature of love is that you get to know people, Uh you get past that first stage, you know, and then you get to know all of the things that maybe you don't like about them. Mm -hmm. You can either get past that or you can't. Right. And they seem to be unable to.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, which is... Really tragic in a way, but if, yeah. if you look at it from a perspective of like, let's just say that new love is the best love,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, just arguably, which obviously there's like a longevity and companionship. Yeah. That people develop and that, you know. But the idea of new love being the best love. Yeah. So in that sense, it's kind of like, well, they get to just keep experiencing yeah. the best part of falling in love. Yeah. Over and over again, even if it turns to shit right. every single time. Yeah. You know, maybe there is a value in that. I don't know. Yeah.
1: But that's, a, that's <laughs> one of the metaphysical questions. Yeah. Of this film because it does sort of put you in that place where you remember – the, the first loves mm-hmm. and those first few weeks and months before the cracks start showing right and it is great that's the best, and some people um I think people that have a hard time being in a monogamous relationship for life are often chasing that mm-hmm. that newness yeah, um, totally. but it always goes away, and you have to you're either capable of finding uh, the richness of longevity or or you aren't.
2: Exactly, yeah. I
1: mean, I guess you could learn it, but... Um,
2: I think it's just an experience thing, yeah. you know, and also just kind of figuring out that, you know, there there is a value to pushing through that stuff. Yeah. But also for me, it's like just because something isn't made to last doesn't make it any less valuable either. So That's true. the idea of it, it fell apart and things hurt, so I want to erase this person is right. kind of like, well, what are you learning from that?
3: Yeah. You know,
2: I've had my own experiences. Like, the interesting thing for me about this movie is, you know, it's been with me for a long time now, uh-huh. almost half my life. Yeah. And I've always loved it. But over the years, my appreciation for it has sort of changed. Yeah. Like. I was married for a little while and, oh, yeah? you know, I, I asked these questions of yeah. myself as like, well, just because it didn't last right. doesn't mean that it wasn't still one of the best things uh-huh. that I've experienced in my life. And all of the things that I learned from that yeah. make me able to be better moving forward. And every yep. relationship I've had since then, I've taken all of these things that I've learned mm-hmm. And can be a better version of myself and know what to look for in someone else. And, yeah. you know, if I had just erased this person, yeah. you know, you're moving backwards in a way.
1: Yeah, you totally are. I mean, that is not therapy to erase someone from your mind, I right. think. And, and then, it, like, in the waiting room when you see some of these the people. The lady with the dog oh, stuff. My God. It's so
2: heartbreaking. Oh, God. I think about her every time I think about this movie. It's She's brutal. Just, it's brutal. And,
1: I've gone through some... We all have – if yeah, you're a pet owner, it's it's course. the worst thing. But you would never – I mean that's the big question. It's like –
2: That's so sad though. Do you want to, to forget to forget, forget
1: the stuff. Is you it know? easier to not know that love ever happened than to live with that pain?
2: Right. Well, it's also like how much of your life are you cutting out? Well, yeah. Like you're just losing
1: where – Where do you draw the line? Yeah.
2: You're just losing your life at that point. Yeah. You know, like there's a point in the film where – Joel looks at his journal and he had ripped all the pages out that had Mm -hmm. anything to do with Clementine. Right. Part of the process. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he says something like, oh, this is my first journal entry in two years. Like, nothing happens in my life. I must be so boring. And Uh it's kind of like, how would that, like, I think that would feel worse to just be like, oh, I just don't have anything going. I don't have any, like, history the past two years. I don't even remember the past two years. Yeah, so depressing in a different way. He's
1: such a sad sack, um, and he and Clementine are so different, and they're a terrible match.
2: Oh, they're awful.
1: You know, (laughs) which is kind of (laughs) the funny thing. They are, Like you want them to be together as a viewer, I think, but why, you know?
2: Yeah. It's hard, you know, and you see the good things that they had between them.
1: That's what's so hard about this movie, I think, is you see that great— beginning
2: before it turns very toxic which yeah. it turns very toxic i know it's them. those
1: scenes are so hard to watch it's
2: really difficult you
1: know because i think everyone's been through those relationships so this movie is just a total like a mirror upon the audience
2: it really is
1: for yeah. you to remember like oh man the, the first, first moments are so aren't they the best right. they're the best and then it just goes bad
2: well, that's the interesting <laughs> thing too is like clementine's tendency for impulsiveness uh-huh. you know it's like if Joel, well, okay, so I want to say there's a point in the movie where Clementine is criticizing Joel for not opening up to her. She's <clears throat> yeah. like, you don't tell me anything. This is what intimacy is, right. like sharing things with each other. And yeah. he's like, well, I just don't have that much. There's just not that much to know. Yeah. And she's like, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, you just, you're you're afraid, like you're putting a wall up between us, essentially. But looking at what happens later, where he's sort of running through his own memories
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and and he's like he needs to take her to a place where nobody will find them, right, and he starts showing her like some of what he feels are the worst things about him,
3: yeah, like
2: when he was a kid and yeah. he smashed the bird with a hammer, and uh-huh. the really awkward, like masturbating, yeah you know, when his mom walks in, uh-huh. you know as a teenager, All and it's that like stuff
1: is so great.
2: All that stuff for me also shows like maybe there's a potential that he wants he wants to break through that, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe if they did try again, he would be able to open up a little more, yeah, I think he wants to
3: uh-huh
2: you know he's he's always like scribbling in his journal, he's like making all these sketches like which in a sense is like a way of relating to the world and mm-hmm. sort of like wanting to connect, but he doesn't know how to do that directly with the person as much right um which. But you know. someone
1: that's not interested in that wouldn't be journaling at all.
2: Exactly. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, there's something there, mm-hmm. you know, and Clementine's just so the opposite. Everything's just out there all the time. Yeah. Think, which can be overwhelming for someone like that, I think, which is probably <laughs> yeah. part of his problem. Is like, yeah, for sure. He even says something like constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating. Yeah. She gets super pissed at him. But yeah. it's like if you don't. Leave the other person kind of – if you don't make space for them to uh-huh. share with you, you can't just squeeze it out of them. Right. You know, and I think yeah, that – Yeah, she
1: didn't have a lot of – he didn't have a lot of space with her.
2: Yeah, I think that – I don't know. I just like the idea that maybe they could both learn and grow and uh-huh. maybe make it better if they try yeah. it again. meet in the middle. Meet in the middle. And
1: still be true At to least themselves. try.
2: Yeah. Yeah, be true to themselves. You know, just grow a little bit together. Yeah.
1: Yeah, those um, scenes where uh, after you've sort of um, fallen in love with both of them as characters and want them to be together, and just to see those toxic scenes are just brutal.
2: Oh, it's really painful.
1: Like the one where he says the worst part of the whole movie when he says, "I assume you fuck someone. That's how you get people, people to like to you." People to like you, yeah. And it's just like it's
2: really a brutal. Gut punch, and she just immediately is like, "Fuck this! I'm done."
1: Oh yeah, you know,
2: which we've I like all... her
1: reaction. She's never like, I don't know. There's, I respect something about just like, fuck you. Yeah, I'm out of here. That's
2: past my boundary. And, and she'll
1: go cry somewhere else. Right. But not in front of him. Not in front about of him that. because he's
2: not a safe space for her anymore. Yeah. Uh, there is something that happens though in that scene where she's she's running around his apartment, uh-huh. just collecting things in her bag. Yeah, yeah. And she grabs a whole can of Pringles and like shoves it <laughs> in her bag. did notice which that. Which <laughs> I've seen the movie. <laughs> So many times, uh-huh. and the last time I rewatched it last week, preparing for this, uh-huh. um, I had that moment where I was like, "Wait, did she just, <laughs> did she just grab a Pringles can and shove it in her bag?" And I, I did the rewind, and I'm like, "That is exactly what it's she just did," moment. which yeah. I would imagine was uh-huh. just like happened to be a thing that was there. And yeah, she's like, "It's like,
1: like these will make me I'm feel just gonna a little bit do better." Do it, yeah.
2: <laughs> I just thought that was really funny.
1: Well, and all the stuff, you know, when he goes back to the childhood, that's when the movie is. At its most sort of surreal or absurd um, visually and, like, just super cool to see Mm -hmm. all the forced perspective and the giant furniture. And she's so cute in that scene where she's like, oh, my God, look at this dress. I wish I could take this with me. This kitchen's amazing.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I love that, too. You know, it it goes back to what I said earlier about this is Joel's memory of who she is. And even during this really difficult time, like, he's remembering and sort of embracing these quirks about her Mm -hmm. and and her personality, the things that he probably, like, annoyed him sometimes. But that he probably also really loved about her. Yeah. Oh, my God, this dress. Oh, this kitchen is amazing. (laughs) It's hilarious.
1: Oh, God, I love Kate Winslet. She's so great. I like seeing her play American too for some reason. Oh yeah. I think she does it really well. She
2: did a nice job. Yeah,
1: she always does. It must have
2: been really fun for her too.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, this role. Yeah. For sure.
2: I just feel like there was there was so much room to sort of play with it too and Yeah. I think that shows through a lot. Um, I read something about Michelle Gondry's direction like he would tell Kate um you know, it's a comedy improvise like right. be big. And he would tell Jim, like, no, 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 like, Rain we're sticking to the script. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, improv- <laughs> in, no improvisation. Like, you need to you be can't really, tell him to go big. you got to be kind of rigid about it. And then there was a point of confusion where he's like, wait, like, they're improvising. Like, yeah. what's the deal? And he goes, no, but your character is different. Yeah. Your character is like a very rigid person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you don't want to sort of take it out of that realm, which right. makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, the the supporting cast is just ridiculous in this movie. Oh yeah. Um
2: Mark Ruffalo before God, he was an Avenger. <laughs> yeah. I loved him in this.
1: Yeah, I remember it's funny. I remember like <clears throat> the glasses he wears are like so in style now. I've even, you know, got him the big horn rim glasses. But
2: oh, you do have them, yeah. I
1: remember when it came out, how weird they looked because mm-hmm. nobody wore glasses like that at that right, point. Yeah, and I was like, "What's he wearing?" those So glasses like old school, forward. yeah. It's weird I love
2: that everyone these days is like dressing the way that my dad dressed when I was a kid, <laughs> and it's like fucking cool now. Yeah,
1: uh, but he's awesome, and Kirsten Dunst, I always love her. Oh,
2: she was amazing,
1: and um, even the the small like uh, Jane Adams, who's a huge fan of hers, and David Cross. As That's the friends,
2: right, yeah.
1: Um, but I started to notice, like, no relationships in this movie are great. Yeah. Like he and uh, she and David Cross aren't great.
2: There's no representation of something healthy. No. Yeah. Not she at and all. David Cross are immediately at each other's throats.
1: They're always uh, at each other's throat.
2: Even like at a time where their friend is over here, yeah, like, going through a really difficult time uh-huh. and looking for support, even though he's a little overbearing about it. I would say, yeah. You know, looking for support and it's still about their shit. Yep. You know, and she even said like the wife even says, like, don't make this about our shit. This isn't about our shit. Yeah. You know, but it's like just that one line even was like, oh, they're not good. No. It's not, not this good. isn't just a moment. Like right. they're not good. Yeah. And then um That's cool
1: when you can do that with just such a little small reference.
2: Yeah. I love that. I think it's yeah. it's a really smart way to to tell the audience, yeah. you know, without being heavy-handed about it. Yeah. And they didn't need to be. Yeah. And then also, you know, um, Howard Mirzwiak, Dr. Mirzwiak. Yeah,
1: Tom Wilkinson, And his he's awesome. wife, mm-hmm.
2: obviously. That was
1: such a great reveal.
2: You know? Oh, yeah.
1: Because she kisses him, Kirsten Dunst kisses him, and you're like, oh, my God, what's going on oh, here? Oh, man. And then the wife shows up, and I'm like, wait a minute, why is she there?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, how did she know?
2: And then Stan goes and honks the horn, Uh, and she, like, hits him with her bag. She's like, thanks a lot, Stan. Yeah. Which, you know, he's just as confused. Like, he's dating Mary at that point, and he's super stoked about her. He doesn't know. He
1: doesn't know the deal with them, right? He doesn't know.
2: She asks him later, did you know?
1: Right. That's right. Yeah,
2: and he says, well, there was this one time Mm -hmm. I saw you two talking, and it seemed a little weird, but I never saw you together like that after. So I just didn't think about it.
1: Yeah but you know but boy when the wife pulls up and she's just she's oh like God. oh i'm just a young girl who had a crush and she's like yeah. you poor girl you poor
2: thing oh don't be a God. monster howard yeah it's really it's that was, really intense yeah, and that you was see great. you see mary's face yeah. you see that like oh fuck moment uh-huh. where she's like oh no yeah which i also like to think about the part right before that uh-huh. uh, right before she kisses him where she's like reciting the poem right. and they have this moment You know, she screws up the name of the author, like Uh the Alexander Pope, Pope Alexander thing. Right, And he's like, no, it's okay. Like,
3: it's an easy
2: mistake. She goes, you're such a sweetheart. Yeah. You know, and he, you see his face like Uh in that moment, you see him go, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the first, for me, was like the first indication. Yeah. It's like, is it an oh, shit? oh, she's into me, or is it an oh, shit, like, here we go again? Right. And after having seen the movie so many times, you can see it. It's the oh, shit, it's happening again. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't expect her to be there. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Like She's stoned, which is really funny to yeah, me. Yeah, that was funny.
1: How do I want to see The whole stone. thing.
2: Yeah, your eye drops didn't do shit.
1: Right. And their little underwear dance party. <laughs> really
2: funny. Yeah.
1: That's <laughs> so cute. On top
2: of the sleeping man who they're trying to untraumatize from his bad relationship. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think it, the first time I saw it, I, I thought that the subplot I took away from the story a bit. But in subsequent viewings, it really like – it's so key –
2: I think so, I think. too. For me, there's this idea, you know, they show it in a bunch of different ways mm-hmm. throughout the movie, this idea that you can have this procedure done, but some of these things are still going to linger. Mm-hmm. There's different examples of that, you know. It's like um, the Meet Me in Montauk thing, yeah. you know, uh, when Patrick steals all of Joel's things and tries to woo Clementine with his words Mm -hmm. and his gifts and all of his things. And Clementine has these moments where she's like – Freaking out. Oh, yeah. You know, when they're on the ice and he repeats that line, Uh like, I could just die right now. I'm so happy. And she's like, what? Yeah. Oh, we need to go right now. (laughs) Or when they're in the car and he says something about her being nice and she's like, nice? Yeah. You know, she doesn't like being called nice. Like, the usage of the word nice is slightly offensive to her.
1: I love how she goes off on him at the end, too. Oh, yeah. She's just so fucking mad.
2: Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's that stuff and the repeated love mm-hmm. between mary and howard it's like it shows that no matter what she had the procedure done yeah it ended up happening anyway which could speak to the sort of destiny feeling mm-hmm. but you know for me also just speaks to the fact that the procedure isn't foolproof and right you know yeah it happened all over again
1: yeah i like the the idea of the science of this movie um
2: Oh, it's so Black Mirror in a way, this movie. Yeah,
1: I like when movies present or shows present like this sort of crazy thing, but it's not so crazy that it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Like I could, you know, I could see someone trying to figure something like this out. Yeah. To use it to make money.
2: To make money, yeah. I also feel like there could be more practical... You know, maybe like PTSD kind of situations like where it could be like really beneficial to people in a sense.
1: You get the feeling they think they're providing a valuable service. Oh,
2: absolutely. You know,
1: like helping people through grief.
2: Right. Yeah, which seems like a noble – it's a noble pursuit on some levels. Yeah, but
1: he's also like having an affair with this young girl. Right, exactly. Wiping her memory out. Yeah, and who knows how many
2: times that might have happened. That's My question too is like was it just the one time because – I don't think so. I wouldn't think so either. Yeah. Though, you know, she found the file and all of that, but I just wouldn't be surprised if it had happened more than once. Yeah. You know? I also
1: like how it's never explained. Like, I think other lesser directors may have tried to explain the science too much
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with some goofy setup.
2: I appreciate that they didn't do that. Yeah.
1: It's just sort of there. It's
2: kind of like this is a world where this is a thing. Because mm-hmm. You even see the characters reacting to learning that this is a thing that could, be done and right. nobody's like surprised by that yeah nobody's like what like, right right this, this is totally insane everyone's just kind of accepting of it yeah which yeah i like it when they don't over explain things like that i uh-huh. think i think it's better to just accept
1: it's more realistic The world that's
2: presented and just kind of go with it
1: yeah and especially a system this that keeps breaking down like this one mm-hmm. it's certainly not perfected no um which is sort of the because it's not perfected, that leads to the whole catalyst of Mary finding out. Right. Because that's when he comes over to try and fix what's going on. Yeah. And then that's the catalyst for her to find out what's going on and to send these tapes and files to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I like, love that she did that. Yeah.
2: Which, you know, might not necessarily be the best thing, but
3: oh god, I love
2: that she's like, fuck this. I'm going to do it. People need to know. Yeah. People need to know that this happened. Yeah. Them. You know, which – it's interesting watching Joel and Clementine after having just spent that night mm-hmm. on the ice together and having this like really wonderful time yeah. and are really excited about having met and mm-hmm. all of this. And then to immediately hear all of the things that they don't like about each other. Yeah. Or will end brutal. up not liking about each other.
1: Yeah. With the tapes.
2: With the tapes. Yeah. And just
1: that stuff's tough.
2: Oh, God. It's so intense.
1: Yeah. Because like, could he, you
2: imagine? Oh,
1: I know. Like, oh. you just meet someone and you're falling in love. Yes. And then you're thrown into this world where, like, here's what's going to happen to you guys. Yeah. In your own words.
2: Yeah. In your own words. Yeah. Like, for real. It's not even speculation. It's like, this is all the stuff that I end up not yeah. being able to stand about you. Yeah. Which, that has got to really, like, mess with you. I know. It's <laughs> I just so sad. I can't even imagine. It's well, so sad. Well, when he's
1: playing the tape and... Talking about, oh, and her hair color, it's just like
2: I really like your hair.
1: Yeah. And he yeah, he's trying to undo
2: mm-hmm.
1: um what's going on. Right. Well, oh, God. you never
2: imagine especially at that stage. Yeah. You never imagine yourself feeling that kind of like disdain for the person. I know. You know, and it's yeah. it's really tragic. It is. And it's hard to recover from.
1: <laughs> it is. And that, you know, in the end um That, again, we are all faced with that question. They are faced with the question. Like knowing where it ends up inevitably, like, are you still going to go through that door?
2: Yeah. And I love that they do.
1: It's a red pill, blue pill thing. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And you want them to want to experience that again.
2: I do want that.
1: (laughs) I think we all do, right?
2: I would say so. There's got to be someone who's like, no, but it turns out so, like, toxic. Why would they do that again? Yeah. But because things might be different. Right. You know, he even says that there's a memory where they're in the bookstore, and he says, you know, if we could just if we could just have one more try at it, right? Maybe things could be different. Yeah. Maybe we could do it again. Yeah. So I would like to believe that on some level, they can retain the memories of Mm -hmm. even just like hearing the tapes. It's kind of like that is fucking brutal. Yeah. To hear all of these things, but at the same time, what if you look at it as Okay, I can kind of take this information mm-hmm. within reason, not just change who you are. Right. But, you know, see these tendencies and these patterns that I have. Right. Even her saying at the end of the movie, like, I'm going to feel trapped and get bored of you because right. that's what happens with me. It's like, well, what if you take a step back and actually do the work? hmm you know, and, and look inwardly and figure out yeah. why that is and maybe try to break those patterns and have something like
1: This is like a world without therapy. Better.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. This is like the worst possible alternative to therapy. <laughs> yeah.
1: The the dinner scene, uh, so sad. There's so many just tragic oh, it scenes. it is really sad. Yeah. When they're just and, – and he's in his head and he's like we've become that couple that just has nothing to say to each mm-hmm. other. And that's like the saddest shit I see – in movies and in real life. In real life, yeah. Is not even um, fighting. It's like, it's when the fighting stops. And it's when you're just.
2: When you're just kind of resigned to being yeah. miserable together. God. And kind of internally resenting each other. Yeah. And,
1: That's like the most painful oh, thing.
2: such a bummer. To see. It is.
1: Uh, even if you haven't experienced. I've never experienced that personally, but I've seen it mm-hmm. in my life and through other people. And it's just yeah. like. God, it's the
2: worst. Oh, it is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, just thinking about – I like the way that they mixed the good memories with mm-hmm. the bad memories. Yeah. It's not linear. They're not showing like mm-hmm. this is the chunk of time when things were great between them. Right. And then it fell apart. You get everything all mixed together. You get this like yeah. salad of emotions. Yeah, you know? it has a weird effect. It does. As an, as an audience it's member. It's like pulling you in both directions yeah. at the same time. Which I feel is just a really kind of accurate representation on yeah. looking back on a relationship. It's like, at least for me, it's like mm-hmm. I can look back and say, okay, I can focus on the end where everything was just kind of shitty, mm-hmm. you know. But it never works that way. It's like I see everything all at once. Yeah. And it's just like the spectrum of experience with another human being. Yeah. You know, it's just so complex.
1: Yeah, I have a tendency to look back... And I haven't even had that many relationships. I was always uh, usually kind of like just hanging out with my friends. Mm -hmm. And then I had sporadic girlfriends throughout the years, but I was not the guy who always had to be in a relationship. Right. So I will look back on relationships and be like, oh, that was great. Like, what went wrong there? Mm -hmm. And then – Stop thinking about it because if I really start thinking –
2: Then all the other shit comes out. All the other shit comes out. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm like, oh,
1: well, that's what It's like
2: the uh, (laughs) – what do they say? Uh, I'm mixing up different idioms in my mind right
1: now. Oh, that's all right.
3: But,
2: you know, there's like a rose-colored glasses kind of thing in in looking at the past. Yeah. Um, It makes me think of a line from Watchmen, honestly, Uh where, you know – God, what is her name? Is it the Silk Spectre? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, like the woman is like an old lady and and the daughter's like, how could you like, how could you be nice to him Uh, in reference to the comedian who Mm -hmm. like tried to rape her? Yeah. And she's like, you know, when you get to my age, you look back and even the grimy parts seem a lot better than everything else. Like you look forward and the future just becomes more dim and it's like, I think that's a trap we fall into. Yeah is just seeing the good parts and not remembering. Yeah. It's very important. It's like any experience in life. Like mm-hmm. we remember the bad because we need to know know what to stay away from. Right. <laughs> know how to kind of move forward from there and not yeah. get stuck in that loop.
1: Or just have your memory wiped.
2: Yeah. Why don't we just do that? I think we should try <laughs> it and then we can report back to everybody and <laughs> just record this whole thing over again.
1: That sounds good. I
2: think it's a good idea.
1: Uh, Do you have anything else?
2: Oh, there is something really specific. There's a scene Uh where Joel and Clementine come across a parade. Right. And they kind of lose each other for a second, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, stoked about the elephants, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. But Joel is wearing this sweater. Mm -hmm. It's like this spiral galaxy pattern sweater. Uh Uh-huh. And if anybody in the world who is listening to this
1: <laughs> you can, that can
2: tell me where to find that oh, sweater, interesting, I would really appreciate that. Wow, I would love that. Okay, so yeah.
1: the outer space thing.
2: Oh yeah, lots of outer space.
1: I'm gonna find that sweater for you, Pam.
2: Oh, I would, I would be <laughs> indebted to you, truly.
1: You know what? The truth is, it's probably in some warehouse like the ark of the covenant. I'm sure it in is. Some uh, warehouse shop in Los Angeles. You're going to have
2: to jump inside a, a refrigerator <laughs> to stay safe when when the nuke comes and then you can bring me the sweater.
1: Uh I I'm glad you that. picked this movie. This was this was a lot of fun. It's uh I forgot I think I forgot how deep it was. Mm-hmm. And especially when we do these shows, you know, to really study it through the lens of this show. Um there's just so many like big questions. That are happening in this uh, movie that on the surface could just be sort of like a silly little romance.
2: That's what I love about it. Yeah. I really love that. And for me, it really stays with me.
1: Yeah.
2: Also, like, it fucks me up every time I watch it. Yeah. I've seen it so many <laughs> times as I keep I keep telling you, but uh-huh. every single time it just, it hits me yeah. just as hard, you yeah. know. The depiction of... You know, the reality of the relationship and yeah. everything just is so well done.
1: Yeah, so real.
2: So real.
1: Yeah, there's something about – you don't see a lot of movies that tackle the um, bad parts of the relationship unless that's the whole point of the movie. Like right. a movie about it, like a marriage falling apart, which those are just the worst.
2: Blue Ruin.
1: Blue Ruin. Have you
2: seen that?
1: Was that – yes.
2: I think that's um, –
1: That's the one with the guy, the revenge Goose- movie?
2: I'm like Gooseling, yeah. No, wait. The guy well he's he was in Are we thinking about the same.
1: I don't know. Is I Blue think Ruin the th- revenge movie oh, about the guy? No, Blue who?
2: Run is the revenge movie. I'm thinking of <laughs> Blue Valentine. Okay. Oh. I Different, didn't, yeah. I didn't see Blue Getting Valentine. Getting things mixed up. Um that movie's supposed to be tough. Kind of all that is. Yeah. If you take like all the parts of Eternal Sunshine that are like the super bummer parts where they kind of hate each other <laughs> and make it into a movie. And no. that's I think I want to say that one is a little bit more linear to where it's like they show i could be remembering wrong but they uh, show where they meet and things are great and then uh, it's just like everything turns to shit i'm not and it's into that anymore. the movie it's too much of a bummer i recommend not yeah. watching that one it doesn't have the same
1: this one leaves you with hope
2: yeah this one leaves you with hope and i think this one makes you ask questions more mm-hmm. and kind of look inwardly more i feel like that one was just like a gut punch yeah of bum-outs. No thanks. Yeah, let's not. I'm too old let's for that not shit. do that
1: one. I need hope. Hope for the future, Pam. The Only Way is Through. A new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Join us as we hear from the world's greatest athletes, coaches, and trainers as they discuss how they utilize training, competition, and recovery to improve their performance and push through. Hall of Fame women's basketball coach Muffin McGraw has established the culture of winning through her historic 35-season career at Notre Dame. But this season, Coach and her team are trying everything to stay afloat against a losing record. Here's Coach McGraw.
2: I've never been in this situation before of having lost five starters, and I was just thinking the other day, you know how when you're going through things and, and the stress of being number one and being the team to beat and being every game knowing you're supposed to win, that, that really weighs
3: heavy on your shoulders. And I, I think I said at one point, wouldn't it be great to be the underdog again? And my husband said, be careful what you wish for. And here we are. Listen to The Only Way is Through. Available now on the iHeartRadio app
1: or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to finish with five questions. Okay. What's the first movie you remember seeing in a theater?
2: I believe it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right. The first, the first one.
1: Okay. That's great. First R-rated movie.
2: Mm, in the theater.
1: Yeah. It, it doesn't matter.
2: Oh, first R-rated movie. Oh, RoboCop. Oh. I was like six or seven. <laughs>
1: wow. That's this a is another specific. Very violent. I movie. remember my mom.
2: <laughs> Rented RoboCop. I don't I think she just didn't understand what it was. Right. I remember specifically my mother saying to me, don't tell your dad. Uh-huh.
1: That's and, always a good start.
2: Yeah. And uh <laughs> you can watch this if you promise me that you won't repeat anything that you hear in this movie. <laughs> and I wanna say within the first five minutes. Yeah. There was a motherfucker, Uh which I immediately repeated because I had never heard that word before and it sounded awesome, which it it still is. Yeah, Uh, And yeah, so my tiny mouth Uh repeated the word motherfucker (laughs) and that immediately was turned off and then I didn't see RoboCop until I was an adult after that.
1: So violent. So good. Oh
2: God, it's so crazy. We
1: covered that show on this. That was uh, Joe Randazzo's pick. Great Mm. movie. Uh, Will you walk out of a bad movie? I have. Can you remember one?
2: Um what was the one with all the animal there was like Jungle Book? No. This was like years
1: ago. Doctor Doolittle. Like
2: <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. Oh really? I walked out of Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: That was a random stab.
2: Yeah, yeah that, y- that was you got it though. The Eddie Murphy one? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think that was supposed to be very good.
2: Yeah. And I I was I must have been like sixteen or seventeen.
1: Way too cool for Doctor little at like, that point. And I was just like, "What is this?"
2: <laughs> Which I thought I knew what I was getting into, and I went to see it with a friend, and I was like, "No, let's go."
1: Yeah. All right.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you're a cool California kid. <laughs> in Virginia, mm-hmm. um, what? Mo- oh, actually, this is uh, this is going to be tailored for you, Pam. So, geez, I guess since you're an artist, like besides this movie, what other movie, just visual aesthetics wise, is one of your favorites? Mm. And forget how good it is or the acting, just yeah. what you're seeing on the screen.
2: Um, Live action or animation, I feel like. Either one. I really love Spirited Away, like okay. the art of Spirited Away. Yeah. I mean, I love the story and everything too, but that's one that I watch a lot just for the art. I've never seen it. Chuck.
1: I need to see it. Okay. All right.
2: <laughs> I won't do that thing that people do, but... Uh, yeah, it's, can, it's really good. And the art is is spectacular. Like, yeah. really. It's really inspiring. Even though I don't necessarily do that type of art, mm-hmm. there's no way to watch that and not feel something about it. Awesome. Like, aesthetically.
1: Yeah, that needs, mm-hmm. that's on the list. Uh, and then finally, Movie Going 101. When you get out to the movies here in Atlanta, uh, where do you sit? What do you eat? What's your ritual?
2: Okay, well, I love Midtown Art Cinema. Yes. Which. That's great. I can walk to from work and from where I live. Oh, nice. Which is a bonus. Uh-huh. Um, but even before that was the case, I just like – I like the older style of movie theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the, like, stadium see- – I'll go to those. Yeah. But it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a movie nacho kind of girl. Oh. Yeah, I all like right. that nasty liquid cheese, <laughs> yeah, all the pickled jalapenos. Uh-huh. There's just something like kind of magical about it. Yeah. And that's the only time that I eat that. Yeah,
1: you can cheat a little bit in yeah. life.
2: It's oh, it's so good. I hate how good it is. Yeah,
1: so nachos. Because it's so gross. And where do you sit?
2: I like somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's more crowded, I like to be on the side. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a introverted type. Like mm-hmm. I like to be on the edges and in the backs of rooms. Quick escape. Yeah, yeah. quick <laughs> escape. It's a survival mechanism. Yeah, you I, get, know? I get that. But uh, if if it's like fairly empty or not too crowded, it's kind of like middle, middle, and middle, mm-hmm. middle row, like middle of the theater kind of thing.
1: Well, you're an only child, and the youngest, and the oldest, and the middle. It's true. So that all makes sense. That's very true. All right. Thanks, Pam. This was (laughs) a lot of fun. Thank
2: you. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. What a great, great movie. Uh, That was, dare I say, one of the most, uh, I guess, one of the most deep philosophical conversations I've had in here, actually. And that movie sort of calls for that. And Pam was not shy about diving in with some of those. Uh, some of those heavy questions about life and love and destiny and uh, can people really change and stuff like that. It's really, really kind of cool um, to talk about that film with her. It was a great pleasure to watch it again. It had been a long time since I've seen it. And I forgot how much I loved it and how great um, Kate Winslet was and Jim Carrey and just what a great supporting cast. Really, really one of my favorite films. And uh, we had a really good time. And um, afterward we chatted about maybe... Just going ahead and making this part one of a filmmaker series and getting Pam in here again to perhaps either delve into another Michel Gondry piece or maybe uh, to start just doing some other films by artists. I know uh, Julian Schnabel and um, Tom Ford, there are all sorts of uh, um, artists making films these days and over the past like 10 or 12 years. So that might be kind of fun. Uh, Let me know what you think. I'd be kind of curious to get your opinion on where we should go next. But I'm definitely going to get Pam in here again because that was a lot of fun. It was fun getting to know her better. And I'm going to post some of her art, as promised, on the Movie Crush page. So uh, take a look at that. I bet it's super cool. I can't wait to go check it out myself here in a minute. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, um, go out and make a movie yourself. And don't use CGI. I dare you. Movie Crush is produced, edited, and engineered by Ramsey Yunt here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Have you ever wanted to be a fly on the wall in a therapist's office and get a behind-the-scenes look at what they're really thinking? I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm a psychotherapist, and I write the Dear Therapist Advice column for The Atlantic.
3: Hey, I'm Guy Winch. I'm a psychologist and I write the Dear Guy advice column for TED.
0: And we're the hosts of a new show on the iHeartRadio podcast network called Dear Therapists.
3: Think of it as an advice column in the form of a podcast, except we talk to you.
0: But it doesn't stop there. One of the most frustrating things for us as advice columnists is that no one gets to hear what happened and how things turned out.
3: But on our show, you will. We ask listeners to test drive our advice and come back on to give us an update.
0: So if you'd like to talk with us about a problem, big or small, send us an email at advice at iheartmedia.com.
3: We can't wait to get you on our couch.
0: Guy, they'll be calling in. Yeah, but they could be sitting on a couch. Tuman Bay. Tuman Bay Bay is weak. We need to rebuild. The epic fiction podcast Tuman Bay returns. Have we met before? Oh yes, General. You have no choice. It has to be done.
3: In the name of God! What
0: have you done? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.